Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. The song we sang today uh, had a phrase, oh, for a thousand tongues, sing. Remember, do you remember we used to sing that from the hymnals for the, uh, for the uh, mature club? It goes, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing thy great Redeemer's praise. You know, we used to sing that in the Baptist church. I remember John Osteen said he got one more tongue and they kicked him out. Uh, yeah, only three of you got it. Well, when you speak in tongues, they kick you out of the, some churches. I, I was even thinking uh, this morning there's a church around here. You have to sign a paper that you don't speak in tongues. They won't let you in. So praise God. They won't let me in. Hallelujah. They're going to let you in? You're not sure, huh? That means do you speak in tongues? Okay, good. Well, I had a vision, a mini, mini vision last week. It was during the worship, and um, the Lord gave me a message from it. And what I saw was, um, I don't know if this is the, the, the cloth, but I'm thinking of linen, a real, real light linen, you know, the stuff that wrinkles, you, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's real thin and it was, uh, it's almost threadbare and it was ragged on the end. And, uh, this guy was walking, walking kind of in the darkness, but there was a light coming down from heaven and he was looking into the light. And then as I watched him, he, he was dragging armor behind him. He's dragging armor behind him. And then the, the impression that I had was this guy's vulnerable. This guy is vulnerable. And the Lord just kind of uh, spoke to me today. He says, he was looking in the light. He's looking at me. He's got his focus on me, but he doesn't have his armor on. He, he's not prepared. He's look, he knows I love him. He knows I... He knows I'm with him. He knows I'm for him, but yet he doesn't have his armor on. Do you know that um, passivity, passivity uh, will get you killed? You know that? Um, my sister held something over me for years because uh, you know, you've heard the story of my parents, or my dad especially. He would just whip us for anything. And I remember... After he whipped me, I proved that I was innocent. And he just said, well, that's for all those times I missed. So, yeah, just a thought. But uh, I remember one time I was, uh, we were outside playing in the, in, the road, in the street in Kansas City. This was a side street. It was dark, and there was a street lamp. And uh, we were kind of playing chicken. 
And so I was just laying there in the street. And they were riding their bicycles down and see if I'd move. I know it's stupid, but, you know, you do stupid things. Anybody here never done any stupid thing? <laughs> Raise your hand. Come on. We'll have an altar call for repentance for liars. Anyway. So, um, so anyway, my sister, she was the one that was driving down, you know. And then afterwards, she says, any time she wanted me to do something, she says, I'm going to tell on you for, lay <laughs> for laying out in the street. It was her idea. But she was going to tell on me, and then it almost got to be a, a rhyme. I will tell on you for laying out in the street. So anytime she said that, I would do whatever she said. But that was because I was passive. I was just laying out there. You know, you can, you know, like my dad, and I didn't realize this for years, he was like psycho if we would get around the street. We had one side street, and then we had this other street, it's Blue Ridge. And uh, it was a two-lane road, but we had a concrete truck, uh, a concrete company down the road from us. And there was this huge hill that the concrete trucks would come down, and they'd get barreling down that hill. And it was flat by our house, but they were just barreling through. And so he had a dream that one of his kids was hit by a, a concrete truck, and he was carrying us back dead. So I didn't know this for years. So he would just freak out, you know, I mean, would just beat me if I got around the street. Well, if I'd have known, if I would have known his dream, it would have helped, you know, a little bit, at least in my understanding. So anyway, passivity will kill you. Even you might be, you might have the armor of God, but you're dragging it behind. You're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, but you don't have your armor on. Don't have your armor on. You're just passive. Well, I got it. You know, a lot of times we, we receive things from the Word of God, but we don't implement what we receive. We don't implement. It's like, uh, it's like I just asked, who, who could get in that church? Nobody, hardly anybody responded. Do you speak in tongues? Yes or no? Don't be passive. If you don't, we can fix it up. <laughs> Do you have the sword of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit, actually, if you read in, if you read in Revelation, the sword, there was a sharp two-edged sword that came out of the mouth of Jesus. That's the Word of God. So you have to implement it by speaking it. So I don't want you to be passive. I don't want you to be threadbare. I don't want you to be going through life just vulnerable for attack. Can you say amen? amen? You know, a lot of times if we see somebody else, we'll say, hey, you know, you, you need to watch out. You're open for attack. You're, you're, there's a possibility you could get hurt, but yet we, we let ourselves go. We let ourselves go. So in First Peter, I, I just want to share a, a basic truth. But just because it's basic doesn't mean it's not applicable. Amen. You know, I've read the Word of God, I don't want to say hundreds of times, but I've, I'm not just, I read through the Scripture. 
But you know what? I still get fed from it every time I read it. Every time. Not every, you know, it's like some, some passages you read and, you, you know, it's like you almost want to play sorry. Anybody ever play sorry? That kid's game where you, you get to slide? There's some, there's some passage you just like to slide. Chronicles. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. You know. But then we found out somebody discovered a nugget in there. They didn't slide. They read it. They found out the prayer of Jabez was in there. Whoa. Wasn't that a powerful truth? They actually read they actually read that portion where most of us just slide. We just slide right through. I actually get to where I, I'm, I like to read the genealogy of Jesus. Because then when I read through the Old Testament, I see these people. You know, it's cool. So I want to I share with you this morning, uh, I think it's powerful, but it's familiar. But we don't want to be, we don't want to have a familiar spirit when it comes to the Word of God. The Lord, uh, and I'm just going to give you this too. The Lord spoke to me this week uh, and he says, I want you to not just preach, but I want you to flow in the spirit. And I said, okay, you're going to have to help me because I'm not exactly, you know, not exactly. I just like to preach and turn it over to somebody else, you know. But sometimes, you know, and I do flow in the spirit, some, you know. You know, I, I used to, because Melody prophesied so much, I'd say, hey, man, want a word? Melody can do it. <laughs> and she can still do it. How many of you know she can, um, she could give you a 25-minute prophecy. I can give you a three-minute prophecy. <laughs> I give you the condensed version. I used to... Um, we used to prophesy as a team. Sometimes we still do it, especially if there's a lot of people. I remember the last church we, we were visiting, we were ministering at. Uh, this happened to me. It happens to us a couple of times. But say, uh, they know we need to get out of there. They know, they know we need to leave. And they, they say, well, if anybody, if anybody wants to get ministered to, well, you know, everybody in the church wants a word. Uh, you know, it's okay for a small group, but when you have hundreds of people, you're not going to get out, you're not going to beat the Methodist to the uh, Bonanza <laughs> or, or the Hosses. Well, you're not going to, you, you're there for a while. And so anyway, sometimes she'll have, uh, I'll help her. Never let her go first. Because she prophesies everything you're, you get. I just say ditto. <laughs> there it is. So, First Peter, First Peter chapter 5, he says this, he said, God, First Peter 5, 5, and I haven't done it yet, but God has been after me to do a study on, on pride and humility. I guess I'm too proud to do it. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, pride isn't what we think it is, and humility isn't what we think it is. Humility is powerful. Yes. True humility is not being a doormat. Yes. 
True humility is not being a wallflower. True, the scripture says that Moses was the humblest of all men, and yet he was able to bring an empire on its knees through the power of God. So we see here in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And let me reiterate uh, one of the definitions of grace. Grace is divine enablement, divine empowerment. You are empowered with grace. You're not just forgiven. You're not just, it's not just God's riches at Christ's expense. It is an empowering. It is actually, you have to have grace to even come to Christ. You cannot just hear the gospel and decide, well, I'm going to get saved. No, you have to have a divine pull. It is a, it is a grace that pulls you to Christ. It pulls you to Christ. And believe me, it's there, for, it's there, but a lot of people ignore it. They fight it. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to go up front. What if ever, everybody thinks I'm saved? Everybody, you know... What, what are my friends going to think? How am I going to have to change? Well, when you have the grace of God, when you yield to the grace of God, all of that stuff doesn't matter because you are empowered to overcome every obstacle that you think is in the way. So God resists the proud. Doesn't mean he doesn't love them. Doesn't mean he doesn't like them. It's just that you're not able to receive the, the enablement because you are resisting it. There's a scripture where uh, Jesus goes to his own hometown and uh, the Bible says they were offended at him. He got up and he read a scripture from Isaiah 61. And he said, the was says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Preach gospel to the poor. He goes through all that. And but he did. Uh, but then he then he says this. He says, the scripture is fulfilled in your ears today. Well, it was all right until he got there. What he was saying is, I'm the Messiah. He was telling his, he was telling his, the people he grew up with, his friends, people that knew him for years, I'm the Messiah. They got offended at him, and they tried to kill him. They tried that. Nazareth was built up on a hill, the cliff, and they were going to throw him off the cliff. So thank you, Jesus. God resists. But the scripture says, the scripture says he could there do no mighty work. Was it because God was unable to do any mighty work? No, it wasn't because God wasn't able to heal. It was because they were offended at him and they refused to come to him. They refused to come to him. If you get offended, you know, I'm not saying this because anybody's offended with me. If you are, I don't know. But if you get offended with, with your pastor... You could be hindering yourself from receiving. Or if you get offended with a TV preacher. You get offended with a TV preacher. They could be the one that God wants to, that God will use to bring 
redemption and healing and all that, all that sort of thing to you, but you won't come to him because you are offended, you refuse. Offense will shut the door for you to receive. For you to receive. So God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what does it mean? I'm proud. I resist you. I am offended at you. You know, uh, some of you have heard me talk about uh, a fellow by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody here? You've heard of Smith Wigglesworth. Okay. I mean, he was, he was called the apostle of faith. You know, uh, just, just, he never wrote a book, but there were a couple of books written about him. And, you know, the people in the Pentecostal movement, the, the, you know, the full gospel movement, they just read those books because they were so powerful. But uh, he had a problem one time. He was sick. I don't know if it was hemorrhoids or it was something. How many of you want to go get your hands laid on you for hemorrhoids? But anyway, I don't think it was, was the kidney stones, but he did have hemorrhoids too uh, at the time. <laughs> so that I'm not undone, I'll let you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he wouldn't go up for prayer. Wouldn't go up for prayer. He says, Lord, I'm believing you. I'm, I'm reading the word. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm believing you, Lord. I'm praying. What's the problem? He says, you're not obeying my word. He says, what do you mean I'm not obeying your word? He says, if anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over them, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So he had to humble himself to go and get prayer so that he could get relieved. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we don't, uh, God will take us somewhere and he'll take us somewhere so that we can get free, not only free from the physical ailment, but free from the mental bondage that is keeping us in bondage. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to preach a sermon on love, not today. But you know, how many of you know we need love in the United States of America? The U.S. of A. need a lot of love. And whether people respond right or not, we have to walk in love in a way that we are releasing the power of God through us. Walking in love is not being passive and letting people walk over you, hurt you. But I'm not going to allow my hatred. Pastor, you don't hate. No, because I've already confessed it. I will not allow hate to control my decisions. I will, not allow, I will not allow hate to control my emotions. I will not allow hate to control my speech. I will not allow unforgiveness to control me because, because faith works by love. Man, I'm all over the place today, am I? I might be able to preach this, not next week, but anyway. Let's get back. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It might, it might help us to ask God, are we prideful or humble? Because it gives grace to the humble. 
what is that called? Self, self-pity is pride in reverse. It's the same thing. Self-pity is the same thing. Pride is thinking of myself above others. Self-pity is thinking of myself above others. It's the same thing. Humility is thinking of putting God before myself and letting him direct me. He will take you play. He had me. I mean, I was, I was mad at somebody. I was mad. And they, they had the audacity to move right across the street from me. <laughs> they bought a lot. And how would you use somebody? You, you just, what are you doing? <laughs> Not you, Scott. <laughs> Because you weren't across the street. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they, uh, you know how you have to, after you have new construction, you, you have landscaping, and you have to rake rocks, you know. So I was out in my yard, and the individual was across the street raking yard, and God said, go help him. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, No. So was I humble or prideful? I was prideful. So after about five or ten minutes, I went into the shed, I grabbed my rake, I walked over, didn't say a word, and I just (laughs) started raking rocks. And he he had the same attitude as I had. He said, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, oh, yeah, I do. I didn't go into the God told me to do this because I can't stand your cause. (laughs) You know, he and I became good friends. Pride would have never let me get there. I was able to minister to him later, too. In my pride, I could have never done it. So God is trying to take us to a place. Actually, in the scripture, in Romans chapter 8, it says that we are being conformed into the image of Christ. And it's not just reading the word. Sometimes it is putting us in situations where we have to break our pride. Oh, Lord, I humble myself. He says, okay. Let's see how humble you are. Well, I ain't praying that prayer. That's just the same as, oh, Lord, make me patient. <laughs> Tribulation worketh patient, in case you're not familiar. But God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Notice, notice verse 6, you have to humble yourself. Oh, Lord, humble me. And don't pray, oh, oh Lord, you keep the pastor humble and we'll keep him broke. No. <laughs> These are all old, old jokes, so forgive me. But um, no, you have to humble yourself. Don't go pray. If you pray, humble me, Lord, you'll get into situations where you will either get more prideful or you'll get humble. So just humble yourself. First of all, learn what humility means so that you're not doing the wrong thing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God is looking for ways to lift you up. 
God is never trying to put you down. God is never trying to get you under his heel. God is never trying to get you under his thumb. The scripture says, God in his great mercy, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has raised us up and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places. In the mind of God, we're sitting in a place of authority. We're seated on the throne of God, and we are able by, uh, by the authority that he's given us to be able to... Uh, have authority over principalities, powers, and we can also have authority over ourselves. Sometimes the biggest enemy is not the devil. (laughs) You know, sometimes we're yelling, man, sometimes we're yelling, get thee behind me, Satan, and God says, I'm not leaving. (laughs) Just a thought. If you don't like it, just say, well, Pastor missed it today. <laughs> he was a little weak. He must have been listening to some other preachers or something. <laughs> but God wants to lift you up. Yeah. God is never in the mind of God to lower you. It's never in the mind of God to put you down. It's never in the, God, in the mind of God to humiliate you. Exactly. There's a difference between being humble and being humiliated. God will never, ever humiliate you. You humiliate yourself. <laughs> Did I say that? Did that flip out? No, I've, I've, how many of you ever said the phrase, I put my foot in my mouth? <laughs> you ever heard that? Somebody else? That means they humiliated themselves. They spoke before it was time. Be sober. Be vigilant. Sober means to be of a sound mind. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's like that guy in the vision. He's dragging his, dragging his uh, weapons behind him. He's looking at Jesus, but he's still vulnerable. He's still vulnerable. Satan walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So, in other words, you cannot be passive and be resisting. You have to resist, and you have to make a conscious effort to resist. You know, uh, thank you, Lord. How am I going to say this? Um, I'll just say it this way without giving a personal example. Laziness, laziness is not a godly virtue. Laziness, laziness like passivity can get you, it's like, it's like you know the enemy's coming, but you're too lazy to get up out of the lazy boy and shut the front door and lock it. Am I okay? Okay. The proverb says this way, the lazy man sticks his hand in the bowl and is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. (laughs) You thought I was bad. We won't even go what the dog does. Anyway, 
So resist. We have to, we have to take a proactive stance. You say, well, pastor, instead of resisting the devil, I'm going to worship. Well, worship is a resisting the devil. It is a resisting. Humble yourself on the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. But there's also scriptures that we need to rehearse and we need to meditate and we need to say that is going to destroy the power of the enemy in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Strength comes from having a personal attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. What's the opposite of gratitude or, or, or gratitude? Ingratitude, being ungrateful. I had a sermon one time, it was called, Are You Grateful or Grating? Yeah, you know what it means to grate? You, you get rubbed the wrong way, either way you go. <laughs> Are you grateful? Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you. You know, I don't think God causes everything, but God will use whatever the devil tries to destroy you with. He'll lift you up. Yeah. He always, always, always lifts you up. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. Come on. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. I don't know if that's a Christian song, but that's the truth is there. He will raise us up. That's his whole goal. The moment Adam, Adam and Eve fell, his whole goal was to raise them up. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Why? Because God's there to help him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, I've already mentioned it, but Ephesians chapter 2 tells us he raises us up and makes us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What, what, you know, what is, it, what is it that keeps us down? I don't have time, uh, time to go there, but in, there's two places, one in Matthew and one in Mark, I think uh, Matthew chapter 13, but it talks about the sower sowing the word and the one that was sown among thorns the Bible says the cares of this life weigh them down. The cares of this life weigh them down. So one of the, one of the, one of the tricks of the enemy is to keep you down is to weigh you down with the cares of life. You know, some of those cares aren't really that important. You know, we fret over a lot of things that don't really, back in the old days, we say make a hell of beans, whatever that means doesn't amount to anything. We, uh, another old saying, we make, you make a mountain out of a molehill. You make a mountain, you make something big out of something that doesn't really matter. So we need to cast our care upon him for he cares for us. The adversary, what is the adversary? 
we don't want to make the adversary bigger than he is. We don't want to make the devil bigger than he is. But we don't want to ignore him. Don't want to ignore him. Uh, you know, I've, I wonder if my brother has ever watched this, watched me, because I tell, tell this story about him all the time. <laughs> my brother was, um, he was big for his age. And he would have these, he was head and shoulder above these, these kids in his class. And he was running home every night while these other kids were chasing him. So one day he was passing me. <laughs> he wasn't trying out for track. He was trying to outrun these kids. I grabbed him by the shoulder, by, by the collar. I said, if you don't go back there, I don't preach in this now. I'm just telling you what happened back then. <laughs> B.C., before Christ. I said, if you don't go back there and beat them, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> so he went back with his Zorro lunch bucket. <laughs> and you know, they had a thermos in the Zorro lunch bucket. So he started beating them on the head. <laughs> you know what? They never chased him home again. You know what? They became friends. Some of my closest friends is people that beat me up or I beat them up. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to get things out of the way. Yeah. You know. I think I was only beat up one time. That was when I picked the fight. <laughs> Never picked any more fights after that. <laughs> anyway, boy, I'm really... You getting anything? Whoa, Lord. Defenseless. We, become, we don't want to walk around defenseless. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Another translation says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In other words, we have to maintain self-control so that we can cause, so that we can bring up our resistance. You know, the scripture also says, give no place to the devil. I don't want to be doing things that opens the door. We already talked about unforgiveness. We've already talked about hatred. Well, what about lust? Oh, well, we're, we're spirit-filled church. We don't lust. <laughs> lust after food. Hallelujah, man. Help me, Lord. There's just a lot of things. I'm not going to go into it. You can use your own imagination. What it does is it hinders your, it hinders and it causes an open door for the enemy to come right in. Reminds me of a song. <laughs> Walk right in, sit right down, baby, let your mind roll on. We're singing that to the devil. Walk right in, sit right down. That's because we have open doors. Let's shut the door. Yeah. 
Shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, light the candle in the night. Shut the door, keep. My cameraman has got his hands in his face. He's giving up on me. Light the candle, everything's all right. Oh, I go. Melody says, what did you preach today? I don't know. So what we have to do, in other words, we, we are defenseless and we are open to danger. We're open to the enemy. We're open to attacks. We had a thing in the Navy. If you, uh, you know, I was a boiler operator and it was my responsibility to give power to the ship. We were a steam powered ship. So if the boilers, if the boilers went down, you didn't go anywhere. You were a sitting duck. That means you were a target that was an easy kill. You have to keep moving. Keep moving. How many of you are just satisfied? We just satisfied. We just, we just happy where we're at. No, you got to keep moving. They used, to tell us, uh, they used to tell us back in the day, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. We've got to keep our, we've got to keep our, well, I got my mind on Jesus as I'm dragging, as I'm dragging my armor. And we got to put that armor on, but it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. It's heavy. Well, so is a sword and so is an arrow. And, you know, if an arrow goes into your heart, that's real heavy. That's a heavy deal. You know, the, sh- the shield of faith, man, it's heavy. You know, uh, back, in, back when I was a kid, they used to have a lot of uh, Ivanhoe movies. And um, you know who Ivanhoe is? Nope. Okay. That's back in King Arthur. Anybody hear King Arthur? Okay. Well, you know, those guys would be, you know, doing these sword fights, you know, for 20, 30 minutes, you know, so... I, I was a kid. I went, back in the, I went back in the backyard, and I found me a piece of re, rebar about four feet long. So I thought, well, I'm going I'm to be uh, King Art, whatever, Sir Galahad, Sir Lancelot, whatever. So I'm, uh, my dad had a roll of tar paper. You know what tar paper is, you know, in the backyard, stuff you're supposed to put on the roof. So I'm beating this thing. Man, about three seconds, I was done. <laughs> no, hey, maybe, maybe, this, maybe the shield's a little heavy. Maybe the sword seems a little heavy. But the more you use it, the stronger you get. The more you use the sword, the stronger you get. The more you use the shield, the stronger you get. What does the shield do? It quenches every fiery dart of the wicked, not just half of them. It quenches all of them. One of the things I'd like to share this morning <laughs> is, is something called self-deliverance. You know, Proverbs, uh, no, Hebrews. I want to just say this. Even though Jesus was not oppressed, he suffered being tempted. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. For he himself has suffered being tempted. Say, Jesus suffered. 
Jesus suffered so he can help you in your time of temptation. He himself has suffered, being tempted, is, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And you know, uh, those 40 days was not the only time Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted throughout his whole lifetime. He had one of his closest disciples. Jesus is going to the cross, and he's telling them he's going to the cross. And Peter says, and Peter rebuked him. Peter rebuked Jesus because he said he was going to the cross. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. For you are mindful of the things of men and not of the things of God. See, if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, you couldn't have been saved. If Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, none of the benefits that we have today would apply to us. If Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and rose again from the dead. Jesus, even when he was on the cross, was tempted. He was there on the cross. He had been beaten. He's got nails in his, nails in his hands and feet. And the Pharisees are saying, if you are the Christ, come down and we will believe you. That was a temptation from the enemy. The enemy is always trying to, you, trying to get you to take the easy route. I used to love this song. It's not good. <laughs> take it easy. Take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. You may lose. Anyway. Well, oh, yeah. And there, I never saw the movie, but there was a movie called Easy Rider. And they're always saying, take it easy. So that was my thing. I, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to say, take it easy. <laughs> anyway, but taking it easy will get you in trouble. Taking it easy. He suffered himself being tempted. I just want to share... Um, one story, and we'll be done. Because I did bring up self-deliverance. Melody will remember this. I was, uh, I was a, uh, a member in a church, and we would used to go to Bible studies besides going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. We'd go to Bible studies. And I remember, uh, I'll try to shorten this because a lot of you have already heard it. But uh, I used to just, just be filled with worry worry, fear, something's going to go bad. Anybody, anybody ever thought, man, it's been going good so long, something's got a bad's going to happen. <laughs> something bad's going to happen. And so I remember I, I was in, a, uh, in this living room of this uh, house, and we were having a Bible study. It was the end of the Bible study, and we were all standing in a circle. I'm not going to give you all the details, but uh, 
I stand there, I have my eyes closed, and I said, I just want to confess, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, I command fear to leave me in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I thought, whew, wow. it was gone. Yeah. I don't want to mess with your mind, but there was somebody in that room that was fearful. Mm. And remember, we're all holding hands. And this person was picked up off the floor and slammed down. And the people holding the person's hands said, their hands became like ice. Wow. And you're saying, oh, I don't want none of that. You got to shut the door. Yes. Shut the door. <laughs> you got to shut the door. What did I do? Mm-hmm. I did self-deliverance. Yes. What did I use? Mm. The Word of God. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, I command the spirit of fear to leave me now in Jesus' name. And it left. It had to obey. Why? Because I started to resist. I became active. I used my sword I used my shield. I eventually learned to put on the, the, the helmet of salvation. I learned about the breastplate of righteousness. I learned that because of Jesus, I'm righteous. Therefore, the devil does not have any past on me. Amen. That's right. yeah. Your past is irrelevant right. when you are saved and it's washed under the blood. Yeah. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. Well, I made a deal with the devil. Who cares? When you make a deal with Jesus, that overrides your deal with the devil. I think the blood of Jesus is a lot more powerful than any deal you ever made. Come on now. Glory to God. I just want, I just have this thing in my spirit, you know, for a long time. I don't want anybody to leave here. If you've never asked Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life, today's a perfect day. God is not, God is not mad at you, angry at you. He wants you. He wants to raise you up so you can stand on mountains. He wants to raise you up. To walk on stormy seas. Well, I like my seas calm. Sorry, the world didn't like that. I was in the Navy for four years. Occasionally, I remember a few times it was as slick as glass. Most of the time it's... Stand by, and they used to say a thing from the bridge, stand by for heavy rolls. That means you just better hold on to something. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So, do you know that Jesus is in love with you? That Jesus is not angry with you? That Jesus has given you, uh, forgiven you of your sins, and that if for some odd reason you went to heaven, you would go to heaven. 
If you died, you'd go to heaven. If you're here today and you're not really sure the people that are going to come up here at this time, the prayer team, I'm going to ask you to come up. They will be glad to pray for you. They're not going to laugh at you. They're not gonna, they're, they are excited to help you in your journey with God. Your, your, your experience with God is not just a one-time deal. It is a journey. It's a journey. Anybody have any words of knowledge? What? God's bringing balance to the body. One of those things is hormonal. One could be sugar or anything else along that line. A pain in the neck, uh, knees. Just run it through. Just say it again. Um, a pain in the neck. Also, God is bringing balance to the body. One of those areas is hormonal, but I believe there's some other areas. Um, a pain, sharp pain in the back of your head and also knees, knee pain. Okay. Uh, Debbie. Um, this was an odd word, but since Loretta mentioned it, I heard the words connected to my chemistry. And I, I'm not sure what that means, but Loretta had that. So he's connecting us to his chemistry. And if anybody had lower back pain, I had that during part of the morning. Okay. We have two lower back pains. So uh, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. After I pray, uh, you can uh, come up or you can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you that we're not passive people. We thank you, Lord God, that you have filled us with your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that we are a part of your kingdom. And Lord God, we thank you that your word says, do not fear little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In Jesus' name.